You know, I think we have a, uh, <clears throat> a holiday right around this time of the year where we honor our veterans. And I know there are so many uh, veterans in the room, got men and women who you're connected with, friends and family. Many of us have, uh, you know, folks on, the, on, on all the different avenues of military. Marines, you know, is dear to our heart. Army, you know, the Navy, the Air Force. And we honor all you guys because there's been tremendous sacrifices have been made, not just on a battlefield. The sacrifices of being away from family. Is that, is that a sacrifice? Absolutely. So we honor all of those uh, today. Um, also, just a couple of things I want to say to you all this morning is, number one, thank you for voting. You know, we challenge you to have works that goes along with your faith. Paul says, faith that works is dead. And what we need to do in this election, enough, we, we need to continue uh, to pray for our nation, for our leaders, and where we're going as a nation. We, we don't think, you know, that somebody else is going to do it. That's part of every believer's uh, calling is to pray for the leaders of our nation, that God will lead us and guide us in the best pathway for our lives and all. And that's very Important, And sometimes, well, my little prayer don't make a difference. Guess what? It does. It does. And what we're talking about, you know, this morning is making a difference by sacrifice. And that's what veterans have done. They've made sacrifices, and we honor those. And, uh, you know, there are uh, veterans in the kingdom of God, not just veterans in military, but veterans in the kingdom of God uh, who have enlisted and uh, that, today is the day uh, of our uh, ministry fair. You know, it's, it's the day when everybody re-enlists who's serving, including me. I re-enlisted this weekend, which means I'm going to serve another year, you know. And uh, in every, every area that you're serving, I hope you re-enlist and many others enlist into God's kingdom and God's uh, army to serve for another year. And uh, you know what? Out underneath the tent, there is opportunity to, Don used the term, was a great term, a test drive. We have what we call our first serve. You can serve in any area of ministry you want for one time. And no one's going to chase you down and make you sign that you'll serve there for the rest of your life or nothing like that. So you can try ministry out. And what happens is you get to know. And if nothing else, you walk through there after the service. You get to see all the areas of ministry that are going on. And you go, I'm going to be praying for you guys. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying for you. Or I'm going to try this area out, and if it's like not my cup of tea, I'll, I'll try something else out. It's really important. It really is important because God put us here, and we're making a difference together. We really are. I, I want to encourage you, those red envelopes, there's still red envelopes there. There's still a great opportunity to help us to pay for this uh, uh, handicap edition that's going on. And I believe it will be done by Christmas. Somebody came to me the other day and said, you know, Pastor Ron, how many days is this for Christmas? And I'm going like, I don't have a clue. I still believe it's going to be done by Christmas. But we have got to dig deep to pay for it all. And one of the things that we, 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 we don't even have quite half of the children that we sponsor in Ethiopia, sponsored Faith Living Churches, had to dig very deep. And we pay for all those other, over half of those kids that we pay for on a monthly basis. You know, just from our general funds that kind of has a tendency to deplete us, you know. And, but together, we're making a difference in over 300 kids. We've got two 
three faith living churches over in uh, Ethiopia at this point in time of men who are taking a step and, and reaching to their community and especially through uh, children and sharing the gospel with them and, and caring for them. But we resource all of that. Only Faith Living Church does that. Nobody else is involved with that deal. That's what you guys do. And uh, there's so many areas. Uh, uh, let me explain sacrifice. The word sacrifice is, is uh, you know, giving up something of great value for something of greater value. We sacrifice our time, our energy, our resources. How many of you know a mama, a grandmama, an aunt or something who actually made a sacrifice? She didn't have a new dress for a few years so her kids could have new clothes and go to school, stuff like that. You know sacrifices like that? People sacrifice their time, their energy, their resources because they value something else even greater. So, uh, let's see. Uh, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Let's look together at verse uh, 15. And it says here, it says, so be careful how you live. Careful how you live. Your, your life has great potential to make a difference. So, so be careful how you live. Not as fools. Don't live like a fool. But as those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Make the most. Not the least. You know, that's, that's when we, we're willing, like, you know, the veterans. that They make sacrifices of being with family. They make sacrifices and going on battlefields and, and being, you know, you know, involved in every facet. They make a sacrifice because there's something they value even more. And it's the freedom of, of all of their family and friends and loved ones here. And we make sacrifices. And it says here, make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. And we are in evil days. And it says in verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly. Don't just go through life just, eh, eh. Don't act thoughtlessly. But what does he say to do here? But try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Do you understand what the Lord wants you to do? Do you? Think about this. All of you who are here, all those who are watching online, those who are down in the overflow in the basement, do you know what the Lord wants you to do? He says here, try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. How can you be most effective in serving God and, and serving God's creation, his people here on this, this planet? You know, what I'd like to do, uh, we'll share a little video clip, and you may be in it, Okay. Just, this is the tip of the iceberg. It, it, it's not even the tip. It's just a teeny tiny, itsy bitsy piece of some of the things that goes on here. But it'll stir your, your heart and your mind to things that we have been involved with and will be involved with in the future. So let's take a peek at this. Romans 12, 6, it says, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. Did you hear that? God has given each of us. And when you think, 
Well, he hasn't given, he left me out. The truth is, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. God says that he has given each of you, he did it, has given each of you the ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out when you have faith that God is speaking through you. If your gift is that of serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, do a good job of teaching. If your gift is to encourage others, do it. If you have money, share it generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Let's get everybody involved. See, that builds harmony. It's not like, hey, I'm doing it solo. No, we're doing a symphony. We're all working together. God has given everybody the ability to do certain things well. Every little gear bolt in your automobile, all the little widgets that connects this to that, it has a vital place and allows your automobile to move and accomplish what you want it to do. And every one of us are a vital part. And we make sacrifices for something that is of greater value. We give up other things, whether it's time, energy, or resources. That's just the way we are. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 42, it says, and if you give even a cup of cold water, now, how valuable is a cup of cold water? Think about that for just a moment. I think I have a, a cup here. Whoops, all right. Now, think about this for just a moment. How valuable is that, really? If you're dying in a desert for lack of water, how valuable is it? It's priceless. It can save a life. 
It could save her life. It might look like, well, it's just water. Turn on your faucet, you, you pump up thousands of gallons of this stuff. But in the right situation, it's life-changing. It genuinely is. Let me, let me see what the scripture says here. It says, uh, Matthew 10, 42, And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of these, my followers, this is Jesus talking, you will surely be rewarded. You know? Let's see. Let's see what the cup says. It says, You might be a redneck if you've ever been accused of lying through your tooth. I wonder whose cup that is, you know? Okay, all right. You know, here in this nation, we honor the unknown soldier who served his country. Do you think that God does less than that? He honors those who serve him, and many people don't know about a lot of people's services behind the scenes. But God knows. He knows every little thing that each and every one of us do. And he honors us. Although we may be an unknown spiritual soldier to others, God honors us and he's always there with us, you know. Now, what about a guitar string? How important is a guitar string, really, you know? Now, you know, earlier in the service, Dan had a very expensive guitar string. Uh, over here, and I was going to cut one of his strings at the last service, but he probably got wind of that. <laughs> but you know, if you cut a string, what happens? Not only are you missing that string, but the tension that's being pulled on the neck, it, it changes the whole tension. It throws everything out of tune. So could one string really be that valuable? Absolutely. One little gear in your transmission isn't really that valuable. Absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Charles Spurgeon said, great, great man of God, tremendous pastor of years gone by, he said, the greatest works are often done by the ones. The hundreds do not often do that much. The companies never. It's the units, the single individuals that are the power and the might. The Davids, the Josephs, the Joshua's, the Mary's. Now, did Mary make a sacrifice? Angel came to her and said, you're going to conceive by the Holy Spirit and you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Can you imagine what she had to contend with? Honestly, I'm, I'm a virgin. No, I've never had a relationship. Honest. You think it was a sacrifice that she gave up something to bring forth the Savior of the world? you know, on the scene of this world here to change our lives? Men and women often stand as ones, and, and it seems that they stand alone, but they're never really alone because God stands with them. He says here in Mark chapter uh, 10, it says, But among you it should be quite different. Whoever wants to be a leader, and, and that's a noble thing to be a leader. You know, we definitely need leadership in our nation, in our communities, and in our homes, you know. And he says, but among you, it should be quite different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. And then Jesus 
qualifies it and he says, for even I, the son of man, came here not to be served, but to serve others. And, and what does the word Christian mean? Christ-like. So if we're Christ-like. Jesus came not to be served, but he came to serve. He came to make a difference. And to be honest with you, that's the only reason the Faith Living Church is here and it's been here so long is that men and women, boys and girls, serve. We serve together in so many facets. And we're touching people here and we're touching people in other parts of the world as we work together. You know, it can be a little difficult, a little hard to see the eternal value in rubbing a damp sponge over 20,000 envelopes. You know, Millie, who just celebrated her 100th uh, birthday not long ago, we, we celebrated her birthday with her here. That's what she used to do here. All the mailings that we've put out, thousands and thousands of mailers that we would send out at different times, people who moved into our community, little flyers and direct mailings and things like that. And she would take a wet sponge because you run out of spit, you know? <laughs> you can't just do 20,000 envelopes, you know? It dehydrates you, I think. So she takes a wet sponge and she would... And, then would and, and it's easy to lose, you know, the whole picture of the eternal value if you're just moistening envelopes. But she never lost vision of what she was doing. All the little things that we do, it has a bigger purpose. It has a higher purpose and a goal. And we need not to ever forget those things. It's very important. The book of Mark, chapter 3, verse 13 says, Afterward, Jesus, he went up on a mountain and he called the crowds. He called what? Not the crowd, but he called the ones. The, the individuals, but many of them. Afterwards, Jesus set up, uh, went up on a mountain, and he called the ones. Now, here's a little poem here. It says, I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do the something that I can do. Jesus went up on a mountain, and he called the ones. And it says, he, he called the ones that he wanted to go with him. He called the ones, and you, and you, and you, and you, and, and I want you guys to go with me. He called the ones that he wanted to go with him, and they, the ones, came to him. See, the activities we do for God are secondary. You know, we, we work doing this, and we work doing that, and we work doing this, and work doing Those things are secondary. God's looking for ones. He's looking for people who long for a relationship with him. And, and it's different, you see, when you're serving out of relationship with Christ versus just serving out of a, a duty. Uh, let me pick up here in uh, Mark once again. It says in verse 13, Afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountain and called the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. Then... He selected 12 of them to be his regular, what's that say? Companions. Regular companions. Hang out with me. Regular companions, calling them apostles. And then after 
they hung out with him. It says he sent them out to preach. And he gave them authority to cast out demons. How could these men, some fishermen, you know, from all kinds of walks of life, how could they minister in such a powerful way? Even casting out demons, healing the sick. How could they do that? They were making a difference because they'd been with Jesus. See, They'd been with Jesus. And when you're with Jesus, he empowers you. He changes things. You know, being with Jesus, it makes a difference because of the sacrifice he made for us. And then the sacrifices that we make for others, you know. Work without a loving relationship, you know what it could lead to? Burnout. You're trying to do it in your own human effort and, and, and you have limits. We burn out. We're exhausted. We throw in the towel when we're trying to, to serve in our own human strength. A budding artist once painted a picture of the Last Supper, and he took it to the writer Tolstoy for his opinion, and, and carefully and understandingly, the Russian master of words, he studied the canvas, then pointing to the central figure, you know, in the Last Supper, he declared, you do not love him. This is what the great writer says to the artist. Why, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, exclaimed the artist. I know, insisted this great writer, but you do not love him. If you loved him more, you would paint him better. Hmm. See, we serve most effectively when we serve out of love. Because, see, duty makes us do things well. But, see, love makes us do things beautiful. When you're serving out of passion, your love for God and your love for God's people, it's different than, well, this is my duty, and I've just got to do it. And you can do it, and you can do it well, but it's different than when you're serving with passion, your love for God and your love for God's people. There is a huge difference between the two. See, and at the heart of all ministry, this effective is a closeness to God, you see. A TV documentary explained that a cheetah survives on the African plains by running down its prey. You know, it's a big cat. This big cat can run 70 miles an hour. Imagine you're driving down the interstate at 55 and a cheetah passes you. He says, the article, they can run at 70 miles an hour but he cannot sustain that pace for long. Within its long, sleek body is a disproportionately small heart, which causes the cheetah to tire quickly. Unless the cheetah catches its prey in the first flurry, it must abandon the chase. Sometimes Christians seem to have the cheetah's approach to ministry. We speed into projects, with great energy, but lacking the heart for sustained effort, we fizzle before we finish. How many projects have we began that we never finished? 
Don't answer that question. It's going to take sustained effort for us to finish the elevator, pay it off. It's going to take sustained effort for us not just to maintain taking care of 300 kids, 320-something kids in Ethiopia, but to reach 400, and then 500, and then 600. You go, Pastor Ron, why are we doing this? If it was your kid, would you want somebody to care for him? And you pass on to be with the Lord, would you want somebody to care for him? Three of you do. What about the rest of you guys? Okay, I know, I know. I, I hear you. Okay. So we vow to start faster and to run harder. What we need is not more speed, but we need, we need staying power. We need power, but where do we get this power? You know, we need a bigger heart. And we get that from hanging out with Jesus. We really do. Acts chapter 4 verse 13 says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men who had no special training. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. See, Jesus, the disciples who, who were called apostles, Jesus called men, women, boys and girls to be with him first. And then he sent them out on mission, on assignment. First called into relationship, you see. And when we serve out of relationship with Christ, love for him and a love for his heart, which is to reach every boy and girl, every man and woman on the planet who's in darkness, you reach them with light. Those who are in great despair so they can hear about the hope of the world, you see. But he's called us into relationship with him first, and then we serve. And it makes a huge difference, you see. Being with Jesus, it makes a difference. It really does. Exodus chapter 3, verse 12 says, Then God told him, Moses, he says, I will be with you. See, that's what makes the difference. I will be with you. God wanted Moses. Now, I know I've shared this concept with you before. It's such a powerful object lesson. God called Moses. You know what this is? I'm not sure whose home I'm turning the heat up in right now. It's a thermostat. And there's a huge difference between a thermostat and a thermometer. A thermometer does what? It reflects what's in the room. It reflects what's outside. If what's in the room is like gloom and despair and agony on me, it reflects gloom and despair and agony on me. If it reflects a disappointment, if there is disappointment in the room or in the world, a, a thermometer, it, it just reflects that. A disappointment at the weather, at our economic situation, maybe at the election, or, or, or maybe at 10,000 other things. Thermometer, it reflects what's there. A thermostat changes things. A thermostat is a world changer. It changes the world in which you live. The part in which you live, and then it trickles down and changes other parts of the world. And 
God had called Moses not to be a reflection of what's going on in the world, but to change the world. And he's called us to be thermostats, not just to reflect what's going on around us. There's a lot of people who are just satisfied with just reflecting what they read in the news, reflecting what they see in the community, reflecting despair, where God says, I want you to give hope. I want you to turn a light on in the darkness. Change the dark world, you see. And that's what he's called us to do. That's what he's called us to be, see. See, now, a thermostat that's not connected to power is nothing more than a thermometer. You cut the wires that go to the thermostat, what happens? There's no power. And, and on all the thermostats, it also has a little thermometer. It tells you what the temperature is, and you can change it by turning the thing up, you see. So we need to be connected with the power. And, and the power is Jesus Christ. The power comes from his Holy Spirit. The power says his word is alive and powerful. That's what it says. Now listen to this scripture here. Philippians 2, verse 13 says, For God is working in you. Did you know that? Would you help me out here for a moment? Would you turn to somebody beside you? You guys online as well? Just turn to somebody and say, God's working in you. Point at them. God is working. God is working in you. God is working in you. God's working in you. I mean, this is what he says. It ain't, it ain't over with. For God is working in you, giving you the desire. Sometimes God has given us a desire to do something. We're going like, I can't do that, right? I want to, but I'm just not capable. I, I have great limitations. You know, I, I just don't have the strength and the power. I want to make a difference, but I just, I can't. But he says here, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, that's absolutely phenomenal. That's amazing. He didn't only give me the desire. Well, I just, he says, here's the power to get her done. You, 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 you mean, if you're breathing right now, you can make a difference. If you're watching online because you're bedridden and you can't get out, you can make a difference. You can make a difference. Every one of us, no matter how young, no matter how old, you are making a difference if you want to. God gave you the desire and he gives you the power to be a world changer. He gives you the power to be a thermostat, not just to reflect what everybody else is saying and doing, but to change the world in which we live. That's just the way it is. Billy Graham once said, he said, every generation is strategic. We're not responsible for the past generation, and we cannot be fully responsible for the next one. Not fully responsible. But we do have our generation. God will hold us responsible, so says Billy Graham, as to how well we fulfill our responsibilities to this generation and take advantage of our opportunities. We'll stand before God one day. And he says, what did you do? I gave you the power and the desire to change the world. What did you do with it? Oh, I just kind of, I was a thermometer. I just, I just reflected what everybody else was saying and doing. I didn't know. John chapter 6, verse 63 says, It is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who gives eternal life. It says, 
human effort accomplishes nothing. Nothing of lasting value. Oh, you, you may do something, humanly speaking, that lasts for a week or a month or a year, but once you're gone, it can just fizzle out and nobody ever remembers it. It didn't leave any impact upon this world. It didn't really change a life. And he says here, it is the Spirit who gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. This is Jesus talking. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Watchman Nee, a great Christian man of years gone by, says, to have God do his own work through us, even once, is better than a lifetime of human striving. Just living for me, you know, if it feels good, just do it, just do it, just do it. But I did nothing of lasting value. What are we doing? He created us here. He gave us desires. He gave us a mission. What are we doing? Just reflecting what everybody else? Or are we a world changer, a thermostat, you see? Mark, chapter 16, verse 20. It says, and the disciples went everywhere. And they preached. They were telling the good news. The disciples went everywhere, and they preached, and the Lord worked with them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. People going along, and they're going, oh, you know, you poor thing. You know, God bless you, and may God meet your needs, and, you know, he loves you so much, and he'll forgive you your sins. If you just call upon him, God bless you, I, I got I've just got to go. And, and you go on wherever you're going. You met somebody in a little transition place there. And, and after you're gone, they think about what you said. And they say, Lord, if what that person said is true, I sure need forgiveness. And God forgives them and cleanses them. And, and, and they sense a transformation. And then they share it with someone else. And they, they read a Bible and they go to a church and they get connected. And, and you never know about it until you get to heaven one day. You may be walking somebody, by somebody and they go, I just don't feel good today. They say, oh man, God bless you. I, I hope you get to feeling better later on. And, and you're just going on your way and then a little bit later on the next day, they're totally healed. But you never know about it until one day you're in heaven. He said here, the disciples went everywhere and they preached and the Lord worked, the Lord worked, the Lord worked with them confirming what they said with many miraculous signs. God's going to help you through that. He's going to meet your needs, you know. And all of a sudden, you don't necessarily know. But he says the Lord works with us. He gives us the desire to do what honors him, and he gives us the power, although we're unaware of it most often. And lots of times the things we pray about and the things that we do, we don't see the results of it because maybe the pride would be too much for us. Oh, wow. Look what God's doing through me. So maybe it's like in our shadow, you know, where Peter's shadow fell on some people and they were healed and he never knew about it. So it's amazing what God will do through a man or woman who's willing to make a sacrifice with their time, their energy, their resources, whatever it might be. Anyhow, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. It says, we are. Now, I need you to help me one more time. I want you to look to your neighbor and say, you are God's masterpiece. You are God's what? 
masterpiece. You are, and 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 you are God's masterpiece. That's what the Bible says. You believe the Bible? Do you always feel like a masterpiece? Let me ask you a question. Have y'all ever seen that most fantastic, awesome painting of, uh, what was that lady who was smiling? Mona Lisa. Have, have you ever seen a picture? Now, what would happen if the great artist painted it and then he went and put it in a safe and no eyes ever saw it? Would he have been a great master painter? I don't know, because I never saw his work. Did he paint it to be locked away in a safe, unseen by human eyes? He painted it so it would inspire people, so it would touch people, inspire other great, you know, painters and artists to stir creativity. The Bible says we are, verse 10, Ephesians 2, 10, we are God's masterpiece, and he has created us anew in Christ so that we can hide in a closet so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Did you know God had plans for you? He has plans for you and I to make a difference. And we make a difference by investing our time, our energy, and our resources. We make a difference. We make a difference in the world in which we live. A thermostat makes a difference. A thermometer don't make a difference. It just says, guys, it's 12 degrees outside. A thermostat says, let's turn up the heat. You know, be a world changer, you see. Bad will be the day for every man when he becomes absolutely content with the life that he is living, with the thoughts that he is thinking, with the deeds that he is doing, when there is not forever beating at the doors of his soul some great desire to do something larger, something bigger, which he knows that he was meant and made to do. Because he knows, in spite of it all, that he is, she is, a child of God. God has a whole lot more in store for you than you can possibly imagine. Because you say, well, I could do this. And God goes, you got the desire, but with my power, you can do anything. And what does the scripture tell us? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens, who empowers me and you. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. It says, but my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Are you doing the work that was assigned to you? Are you on mission or have you had mission drift? You drift off course, you know. He says... My life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. And see, everybody who serves in any capacity where God has given you a desire, you may not be the spokesman, but you may control the 
the electricity that goes through the microphone. You may control the, the signals that go out online and stream services somewhere else. You may be a part of making sure the building was warm so when people came in, the kids had an awesome experience in Super Church, hearing about Jesus because the building, I mean, every facet, all of it is connected directly to leading men, women, boys, and girls into the kingdom. He says, but my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. Every ministry is directly linked to telling people about Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What about the ministry in the back that provides tea and coffee and stuff for everybody? Is that a positive thing? Or should we save a few thousand dollars a year by not providing it? You think sometimes somebody might have came to church and said, and there's free coffee. What, 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 what? Every part of it has to do, it's all connected to the same thing. Winning people to Christ. A charge to keep I have, a God to glorify, a never dying soul to save and fit it for the sky. To serve this present age, my calling to fulfill. Oh, may it all my powers engage to do my master's will. Well, we're just about done here. And we're going to release y'all to go out under the tent and look and see all there is a ministry. Talk to the leaders and some of their workers. But there's a ministry over in New York City. It's called Metro. I had the privilege of meeting the leader years ago, talking to him. Let's see, what's his name? Anybody know? Bill Wilson, Metro Ministry. He reaches out to somewhere between 20, 25 children a week. 25,000 children a week. They have a bus ministry, and they're touching thousands of children. And there was one day when a, a little lady, you know, came to know Christ, and, and she couldn't speak any English. She only spoke Spanish. So a translator came with this little lady, and she came to Bill Wilson, and she says, I want to do something. What can I do? Speaking to a translator, he said, well, you can ride on a bus. And a lot of the kids that they pick up are little guys. You know, and, and they bring them to the church. And some of them have sidewalk Sunday school right there on the sidewalk. They have a big thing that opens up and they share the gospel with them and take them all kinds of goodies and all. But so she started riding the bus and doing what Bill said. And Bill said, just tell them that Jesus loves them and that you love them. And those are the only English words that she knew. She started riding a bus and she'd grab one of the kids, sit them on her lap and she'd say, Jesus loves you in English. And I love you. And then she would say that hundreds of times before they got to the church. You know, Jesus loves you. I love you. Jesus loves you. And I love you. And she would tell them that. And after a month or so, she went with her interpreter and she went to Bill and she says, could I just ride one bus from now on? There's a little boy that my heart goes out to. And, and could I just ride that bus and, and just talk to him? And Bill said, that's fine, you know. So she went on that bus, and then she'd pick this little guy up, and he couldn't talk. I don't know why, but he just couldn't talk. And so she'd pick him up on her lap, and she'd say, Jesus loves you, and I, I love you. And a little bit later, Jesus loves you, and I love you. Jesus loves you, and I love you. And she genuinely did. 
You, you could see and feel the, the passion that she had in loving this little guy who couldn't talk. And this went on for a few months. And she loved what she did. And then one day, they were on their way back home from the church. And she said, Jesus loves you, and I love you. And the little kid turned around as he's walking down the aisle to get off the bus. He turned around and said, I love you too. That was at 2.30. At 6.30 that night, they found the little boy in a garbage bag, dead in a dumpster. His mother had killed him. We don't know what kind of world some people live in. But the last thing that he had heard from the people at that church was that Jesus loves you and I love you. We love you. And then he had turned and spoken, I love you too. Now let me ask you a question. That woman didn't have a whole lot of obvious skills and talents. But what she did, did it make a difference? Absolutely. She loved a little boy who came to know Christ and he'll be waiting to see us in heaven one day. And it was a horrible thing. That particular ministry is in the community in York City where you're most likely to get killed. Bill Wilson has been stabbed twice, shot at once. One of his associates who worked with him was killed. And on and on and on the list goes, but somebody made the sacrifice to go there and to shine a bright light in a dark place. And it might be little bitty things, little small things, of only being able to say a few English words, Jesus loves you, I love you. But what a difference it makes. And I'm telling you, you have been called to be a thermostat, to be a world changer in the world in which you live. And who knows how far-reaching that may be. What that little woman did, she don't know that we know her story. But I have personally been inspired by that little woman who only spoke Spanish. Haven't you? When we get to heaven one day and she sees how many lives she touched and how many of us she inspired when we found out what she did. The little things that we do make a difference. The little sacrifices that we make. Because there's something more important, something more valuable. This little boy who can't talk. He needs to know the love of God. Let's bow our heads together. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be part of what you're doing. Thank you for inviting us to enlist or re-enlist in your kingdom. Thank you for having such faith and trust in us that you put a desire within us and you've given us the power to be a thermostat, to be a world changer. Help us to see that all the things that we do, whether it affects Ethiopia, whether it affects the handicapped access to this building, whether it happens to impact people in Southington or Waterbury or New Britain or Maryland or Cheshire or wherever, Help us to see, almighty God, that there's eternal dividends here. Help us to see, Father, that what we're doing 
is truly making an eternal difference. Show us the areas in which you want us to serve. Help us, oh God. Not only with the desire, but the power that you said you would give us. As our heads are bowed, I'd ask you to join me in a simple prayer to reaffirm our faith. And that as we would go from this building, we would go forth with a larger heart, a bigger heart by hanging out with Jesus. That we would go forth from this place with vision to make a difference. And I would ask you to join me now in a simple prayer. A prayer of reaffirming our faith in a wonderful Savior. And those of you who are here today who don't know Jesus in a personal relationship yet, that you would join us as we pray and you would enter into a relationship with Jesus right now. And I would ask you to join me as we pray, to pray out loud together, reaffirming your faith or declaring your faith for the very first time. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son. I believe that Jesus gave his life to wash my sins away, to give me hope, to empower my life. I believe that Jesus is knocking at the door of my heart and I throw open the door and I welcome Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. In Jesus' name. Amen. And Lord, I ask a blessing on all the veterans, all the men and the women who have ever served, who are serving now, and who will serve in the near future. Bless them and protect them and grant them wisdom. We thank you for them, for the sacrifices that they make. In Jesus' name. You know, our our little uh, weekly challenge here, if you choose to agree with it, You'll just check it off, drop it in the tithe box. It just simply says, I will prayerfully seek God's wisdom on which area of ministry and faith living church family I should serve. And then I will act upon it. So in just a couple moments, you're released to go outside, enjoy all the presentations that's been set up out there and uh, get to know the, the leaders and their workers for no other reason just to pray for them and maybe serve in their area of ministry. If you have needs, you know, for prayer, there'll be people around the altar who'd love to pray with you. If you prayed to me a moment ago and you asked Jesus into your life, please stop at the connections desk. That's an area of ministry. Maybe you can serve there. They put together bags of Bibles and all kinds of other goodies that'll inspire you. And uh, pick up one of those on your way out. And we have a gift. And the gift that we have is an awesome cup, kind of like this one, but it's not a redneck cup. It's a lot better than this one. Just as a little way of saying thank you for coming, and we hope you come back. God bless you. I believe that's it. You are dismissed.